0: Uh, a place that I need to be, I'm not going to spend time um, with reviewing um, much at all. So uh, again, we started this teaching some months ago, and I'm going to help bring back some of the things that we first started with, um, and that's going to help tie this in and help bring this together to the end, you'll kind of see it full circle. Remembering everything that you've heard in between, that's important as well. So I'm gonna, we're gonna recollect some things that we talked about in the very beginning, remembering everything that was talked about, and you have your notes, I'm not expecting you to remember, you have notes, hopefully, if you've been tuning in, all that was talked about with all the other ministers, and then bringing that full circle. Um, to this end. so we talked about the objectives of this teaching is to revisit the components of restoration, which we've been doing for the past um, three weeks now, um, to revisit the components of restoration in case you fail to keep the standard of God in the areas of biblical dating, forming godly or kingdom relationships versus worldly relationships, Or engaging in illicit sex or any area of your life that restoration is first the key and the second objective is to understand and embrace the truth about the consequences of being out of season which we will we will go head-on full-on in that regard on today and the third objective is to consider to examine the individual and the spiritual individual spiritual and natural requirements that must be in place before marriage, and we will conclude with that on next week. So uh, towards the end of, of, of uh, last week, we were ending with staying accountable. We were ending with staying accountable because we were talking about um, the need for the, the process, the process of repentance. The process of of being restored when you again, when you have um, done those things and you've not followed God's principles and followed His commandments and followed His ways from the scriptures, in regard to because this is what we're talking about in relation to relationships um, and relationships, period, but in particular. Um, we're talking about any romantic relationships that you might encounter that you will encounter. And so, again, we're, we're preparing you. And I want to remind you about what God said to us. And we'll, we'll get to that in just in just a second. But you need to keep those things in your mind. What God told us and how what how he's instructed us and what he's told us about this time of preparation that he has given us time. This is the season, he's carved this season out. He's carved it out for the purpose of preparing you for marriage, to keep you out of bondages that you don't need to be in, to try to help keep you out of troubles and and try to help uh, keep you from having to face uh, extra challenges that come, uh, besides the ones that already come with marriage, to keep you from having to face extra challenges that you don't need, that you can bypass, that you can keep away from and stay away from. If we would just take this opportunity that he has given us, take it seriously. We have to take it very, very seriously because we have to understand that God is doing these things for his purpose and his will. And I was thinking about this on my way on my way uh, to church this morning is that if we could wrap our minds, if if everyone who calls themselves a believer could wrap their minds and get a full understanding of my life is not my own, but I've been bought with the price. We've been hearing about salvation and we've been teaching about salvation and all that God has done for us, God is trying to do in us, God is trying to do through us. If we could just wrap our minds around that I am here, I am occupying this life, I am occupying this life, but it's all about the purpose and the will of God. And I am in his purpose and I am in his will. I'm a part of it. He's made me a part of it. So then my life is not my own, but I have been bought with a price. I've been bought with a price, and if we could wrap our minds around that and get a full understanding of that, then we would live we would live for him the way he designs for us to live and we would be the better for it. So we talked about staying accountable, seeking God. So we first have to be, first have to be accountable to God and that's what I was just, just talking about it, that bleeds feeds into that. You have to first be accountable to God. My life is not my own but the life that I live is God's? It's His life, so I'm staying accountable to Him, so that I can carry out His will, so I can fulfill His plan. And then we have to seek godly counsel from spiritual authorities. When you hear, and and and, and this this is a part of a part of it. When uh, um, when you hear the man or the woman of God who ministers to you, then that is godly counsel. That's counsel from the Most High God. A teaching a message directly to you that is part of how you are able to stay accountable don't disregard what God is trying to do in your life don't disregard the people that he is trying to do uh, to do it through in your life. Your parents; those are God's godly counsels. Those are spiritual authorities in your life. Again, to help you stay. And so, and again, because there are parents, then we tend to think, well, they don't know what they're talking about, or they don't know this, or they don't want that, or they don't. They think it's personal. It's not. It's not personal in the fact you are their child. You are their child. And if anything, you should be saying, because I am their child, they want better for me. They want the best for me. So that godly counsel that they're giving, it's not, I, I'm not sure what you think it is or, or, or what, but, but it's there. It is there because they want the best. Look, Listen, even God, our father, God, our father, he wants the best for us. Our parents are no different they want the best for us and so and they want they want to see you do more than what they did they want to see you not make the mistakes that they have made they they want that and they teach from that they instruct from that angle. So, do not disregard that godly counsel those spiritual authorities that God has placed in your life. You need to reckon. You have to reckon in every in those in all of those cases, in the cases of your parents, in the cases of of other godly authorities, the ministers and the teachers that that teach, you have to reckon in your mind. Reckon in your mind that it is from the Lord. You have to reckon in your mind the faithfulness you examine the lives th- their lives you examine it you reckon that they are faithful you reckon that they are holy you reckon that they are believing you reckon that they are God fearing you reckon that they are prayerful and you reckon that they are practicing you pr- they are practicing what they preach And so, and you can see it in the lives, and if you can see it in their lives, I'm talking about God, we're talking about godly, we're talking about godly spiritual authorities. When we talk about that, you have to reckon, you have to see, you should be able to see the fruit in their lives, and that that they're living what they're preaching, and living what they're teaching, and that should be a fortitude, that should help fortify in your mind that this is counsel, that I need to take. That this is counsel that I need to hold on to. We need to reckon and uh, reject and reckon ungodly counsel as trash. You need to reckon, you need to see it for what it is, and you need to reject it as trash. Something to be thrown away. Something to be worthless. It's worth nothing. God, ungodly counsel is worthless. It is worth nothing. It is spoilage. It will spoil you. Ungodly counsel will spoil you. It is junk. It is stench. It stinks. And that's the way that you need to look at it. Look at Colossians chapter 2. We're going to start here as we begin to flow into our new information. We want to remember the first teachings um, that we again that we begin with. So Colossians chapter 2. Let's look at let's look at verse 6. Colossians 2 and starting with verse 6 as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the lord so walk ye in him so we and we talk so we're talking to believers right so it, it, we talked about in premarital marital premarital the first step is that you to live a to have a godly relationship to have a godly marriage you first have to be godly so we're considering that we're talking to believers but if we're not talking to believers and understand and know that that is your first step salvation is your first step if you want to have the relationship of the godly marriage that that God wants you to have. You first have to be born again. So as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Know that your life is not your own. Walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. Rooted and built up in him, established in in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, we need to be rooted and built up in Him. We talked about that. That that, that it's This is. We talked. This is about being. This is personal. This is something that you have to be complete and whole in you. You have to be complete and hold in you. And the only way that you can do that is to understand again that your life is not your own. You have been bought with the price that Jesus he paid it all that you are his. You he is yours and you are his. That is the first step. That's how you can be rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith Understanding that that you have been taught, and with that, just knowing that God, that I am with Him and He is with me, that is enough for Thanksgiving. That is enough. For Thanksgiving and that should be enough to complete you and to make you whole and then he says beware lest any so you need to do that you need to be you need to have Thanksgiving for what God is for being with him and you're with him and, and he's with you and you're with him be thankful for that why because beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit they carry you off they captivate you that's taking you the spoil is 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 usually the gains from war. It's the gains from war. So you don't want you don't want that spoilage. You don't you don't want uh, 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 to be gained from war from the enemy. You don't want that. You don't I mean, and that's a prize possession. You are a prized possession and the enemy knows that. He, The enemy knows that if you would ever just get a, a, a clear understanding about what God is trying to do in you and through you, in your life for people. So again, it's, it's not just for you, he's trying to get you right. God wants you right to help people because it's about his kingdom. Yes, he wants to get you but ultimately, it's about getting you right so that you can help somebody else. So that we could, because it's the building of His kingdom, and the enemy knows that. So he wants to spoil you. He wants to to captivate you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men and the rudiments, the rudiments of the world. That's the principles of the world. He wants us to. Not fall into those those uh, that deceit. Not fall into to uh, to those things when the enemy uh, um, presents us things and through people and through he says you need to be where. the only way you can do that is if you're rooted. Walking in me, you are walking in me. That is that that is a done on purpose. Walking in God is done on purpose. I, that means that everything that I do, I have a mindset. Christ I have the mindset that I am here to work As unto the Lord and whatever it is, because I am a part of the kingdom of God. Again, my life is not my own, but I have been bought with a price. The life that I now lead is not mine, but it is the life through Christ Jesus. So we have to remember that verse um, verse nine for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and ye are complete in him you are complete you are whole in him so remember remember those first teachings that we talked about the reasons that people consider marriage uh and and the reasons and and that unseen work that we talked about that we have to allow god to do that unseen work in our lives so that we can be properly prepared so now that this brings us to um, the consequences of being out of season the consequences so uh, let's turn to Psalms chapter 1 we've started with this and we've read this um, several times but uh, so I want to start here so the consequences of being out of season and here is where we're going to start our new information so Psalms chapter one, start reading at verse one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season in his season his leaf also shall not wither so before even the fruit starts to show his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper and we're going to stop there because this is where this 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 is the, the 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 foundation of of this piece of the teaching that the consequences of being, there are consequences of being out of season. There are consequences of not doing things properly and in God's way, there are consequences for those actions. Remember that, uh, remember those reasons, right? Those reasons that, that we talked about and part of some of those reasons um, included expectations of others. Why we consider marriage, because of the expectation of others. They're expecting me to be married by this time. Our biological clocks, we consider our biological clocks some of us that are, that are older. I'm not getting any younger, I'm getting older. I, craziness, I, you know, my eggs gonna dry up. Well, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so we, we hear all of that. We have anxiety about our future. Some reasons why people get married because they have an they have anxiety about their future, either about their financial future or just about their future they don 't want to be alone you know all, all of that people have those reasons, but remember that time is given by God to accomplish his will. He establishes and orchestrates the dispensations seasons of our lives because they are a part of his grand master plan and you have to understand that you are a part you are a part of his will you are a part of his grand master plan and that is what we have to remember in all of this that anxiety that fear we have to we have to trust we have to have faith and we have to trust that God knows what he's doing he knows What he's doing we've learned that every season is fixed every season is fixed and it is already determined by God and we must take things as they come every season every season is fixed and determined by God and we must take things as they come and because you don't know what's coming that is even the more reason to stick with God stick to the source the one who knows he knows everything and we're going to see that this morning he knows everything so our trust and our reliance and our dependence is on a God who cannot fail it's on a God who who sticks he stays with his promises he and his promises are one he and his he cannot deny himself and he is a promise keeper. He is Jehovah, God, our covenant keeping God. And so we have to we have to understand that and we have to embrace that. We have to embrace that. When you and when we talked about that last week, when you we talk about Embracing something, that means you're clutching it. That means you're holding on to it. You have to receive it. You have to, cl- you have to hold that closely like nothing else. You have to be intertwined with that, intertwined with those thoughts that God will not fail. He can not fail. That is the truth that you must embrace. And if you embrace that, then again, all of your actions and all of your thoughts should be able to uh, just go ahead and, uh, and align with that. We to align with that remember this and and make sure that you write this down it is not in my power and I want you to write it just like that it is not in my power to change an appointed time it is not in my power to change an appointed In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we're not going to go there, but it talks about seasons. There is a time and there's a season for everything. And again, these times and these seasons that we find ourselves in, they are ordained by God. Because it is him that gives the time and the dispensation. It is him that gives that. It is something that he has ordained. And because of that, we have to then wait on the Lord. Because he is the one who commands seasons. You don't have the the power. You don't have the power to change any appointed time in your life. Whatever that is, there was an appointed time for you to live, which you did not control. There's an appointed time for you to die, which you cannot control. And anything, any appointments in between, you cannot control. You, ha- you don't have that power to do that. And I mean, every season of your life is already carved out. Every season, every season carves us out a work to do. Every season carves us out a work to do, something to accomplish, and we should be focused on that work rather than the season itself. You need to be focused on the work to be done. You need to be focused on what needs to be accomplished. Focus on that work rather than the season itself. So we have a season when we are in our parents home we focus so much on that season oh i'm here and i can't wait to get out we're i can't wait to be on my own see that's we're trying to rush the season so we have to focus not on the season itself but you need to focus on the work and what needs to be accomplished in that in that season while i'm in my parents house what is it that I am to learn? What is it that I am to gain? What is God trying to do in me? What is God trying to do through me? How is God using these godly parents to teach me and instruct me? We need to take advantage, take a maximize. Our pastor used to say, maximize that season. And that needs to be the focus on maximizing the season and not the season itself the season is going to change we know that we, we see it in nature we see we know the seasons are going to change you won't be there forever but don't focus on the season itself focus on the work and what needs to be accomplished in that season right now this is a season God is giving us a season right now with this particular message he's giving us a season to get ourselves right so that we can have the godly relationship the godly marriage that he intends that he wants us to benefit from this is the season that you're in this is the season so don't try to rush it Don't try to rush it and get through. Oh, I can't can't wait to be married. I can't wait. Again, trying to rush the season. You're focusing on the season itself, but you're not focusing on the work that has to be done in that season. You're despising the season. Don't despise the season because it is a work that God is trying to work in you and through you. That work is a part of his will for your life and to benefit the lives of others. We can't be so selfish, it's not just for us, but it's to help benefit the lives of others. That work is to advance the kingdom, to advance his kingdom in in whichever way he desires and he chooses. And understand this, that your godly marital relationships That is a part of advancing his kingdom. Why? Because it's showing forth his love, it's showing forth the relationship between Christ and the church, which people can see. They can see that that's going to advance the kingdom. Someone's going to learn from that. And it's about having a godly seed. It's about procreating and creating a godly seed. And again, that is a part of advancing his kingdom. So we need to be sure that we are maximizing the season that we're in and that we are not uh, taking it for granted and we're not despising it. Instead of focusing on the work to be done in a particular season, what happens is is we become dissatisfied and discontent with where we are. We become dissatisfied, we become discontent with that season and we do what what we can to try to change it or we do what we can to try to rush it. But when you are out of season, understand that you are out of the will of God. Understand that you are out of the will of God when you are rushing, trying to rush, or trying to change a season that he has you in. (laughs) He ordained it. He ordained that season and it is for You, is to benefit you, but to also benefit others when you come out of that season. So when you are trying to do things on your own, on your own accord, under your own counsel, with your finite knowledge, your limited knowledge, you move before God tells you to, or you do something without consulting him first, are you ignore or reject his warnings and his counsel know that there will be consequences there will be consequences and consequences are they are a direct result they are a direct result or effect of an action or a condition consequences are a direct result or an, an or or effect of an action or a condition. Because of the condition of our hearts, we do things and then we have consequences. The condition that you're in it leads to actions and it will cause the consequences to, ha- to happen in our lives. It is a byproduct and it is a payoff. A consequence is a payoff. It's a payoff for what you have done. You put something into motion and you do something you're going to get the consequences. So it's a payoff for what you've done. So there are, consequences can be good, there are some good consequences, there are some bad consequences. A consequence is just that we always, some, a lot of times we associate, when we say consequences we automatically think, oh bad. But no, we said what? Consequences are a direct result or effect of an action or a condition. So whatever that action is, so of course, if you have, do it's a bad action, or you have a bad attitude, you're in a bad condition. Then yes, the consequences will be bad. But if you are doing things godly, living holy, living righteously, you have a heart towards God. You have a heart towards God's people. The consequences will align with it. So the consequences are consequences are neutral. They're neutral. The consequences. Are neutral just depending on the action but it depends on the action it depends on whatever action whatever you put into it is what you're gonna get out of it so we've heard recently too that you don't even you don't have the power to choose the consequences of your choices whatever consequence so so consequence is a general word but then you have specific things the consequences are specific in nature that happens because of whatever actions you've taken so you don't have the choice to uh, to choose which consequences you get because it's already going to be built in to that action they will be what they will be and you have to take it as they come they will be what they will be and you have to take it as they come so Letter at consequences. Let's, let's talk about the consequences. Again, we're talking about general generalistic, general consequences. Let's read um, still in Psalms chapter one. Verse four. Oh, well, verse three. Verse three again, "And he shall be like a, plant, uh, like a, like a tree planted by the rivers. Who? Those who delight in the law of the Lord. And meditate meditate on on that law day and night those are the people that we're talking about and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit that's a consequence if you are planted, you delight yourself that's an action I delight myself in the law of the Lord I meditate on it day and night that is that is an action those are things that I do I shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring it forth fruit. This is the consequence. I'm going to bring forth fruit bringing forth his fruit in his season again a season that god has our day if i would delight myself in the law of the lord delight myself in god's word delight myself in his instruction remember this is a season i need to maximize this season i'm gonna delight myself in the word and the truth that he gives me. I'm going to meditate on that day and night. and the consequence of doing that is, I shall be like a tree planted by the water. The consequence is that I will bring forth his fruit in his season, in the season that in the time that he has designated for me. That is a consequence. You li- that, listen, that's a consequence. It is something you get it's a byproduct it is a payoff and look at this verse 4 the ungodly are not so but are like the chafe which the wind driveth away therefore the ungodly shall not stand what the ungodly are not so they are like chafe so we're talking about what the opposite those who do not delight in the Lord those who do not delight in the law those who do not meditate on the law, the, or the instruction from God, or the word of God, or the truth of God, those who don't embrace it, those who walk in the counsel of the ungodly, those who stand in the way of sinners, those who sit in the seat of the scornful—this is. Th- those are actions. They walk, they stand, and they sit. Those are. Co- those are the actions. Those are the actions. And here it is. The consequences the uh, uh they are like the chafe which the wind driveth away therefore the ungodly shall not stand a consequence in the judgment nor sinners in the in the congregation of the righteous for the lord knoweth the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish he knows the direction god knows the direction He knows the direction. He knows the path of the righteous because he has already said it. He's ordained it. He is that path. He knows that he is that path. But the path of the ungodly, the way and the path of the ungodly, it shall perish. That means your plans. That means you're trying to rush through the seasons that, that God is, is put you in, and not and not getting, not gaining, not accomplishing, not satisfying the things or, or satisfying the things that need to be done in that season. Not meeting the things that need to be, not receiving the things that need to be received in that time. He says, and this this he has laid it. He's laid it all right here. The, the consequences. So, the moment you get ahead of God, A, you are out of God's will. The moment you get away, you are out of God's will. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. And let's look, uh, starting reading at verse 11. And Samuel said, "What hast thou done?" And Saul said, "Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou cam- camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me." To Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever but now thy kingdom shall not continue the lord hath sought him a man after his own heart and the lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the lord commanded thee so here we see that as the philistines started to press soil Saul, they started to press him they threatened to overtake him And his army he took things into his own hands he did not wait it was not for him it was not for him to to offer anything that was not his job that was not his position he was trying to rush that season in his mind because in his mind the Philistines were coming guess what but understand this that nothing is coming without the orchestration of the Lord nothing is coming without the orchestration of the Lord so if he was so busy if he had been if he had been more concerned about just doing the will of God and staying in his will staying in his will my life is not my own but I've been bought with the price the life that I now live is God's if he had just said God God, he's got this God has got this all I need to do is stay where he's told me to stay stay in my season stay in the time where, that I'm in and when it's time he's not going to allow the Philistines things to move before it's time because I'm trusting I'm trusting and I'm relying on God it is his will and not mine it is not what I think I, I think I'm running out of time But time is not yours to, it's, Time is not yours to, to take Time is not yours to figure out It's just given to you Based on wherever God And whatever God is doing That is it The time, the time is set It's been ordained And anything in it Has already been ordained Follow him We have to follow him And so here we see That Saul He got a, a b- Before God He went before God. So instead of obeying uh, and, and waiting for Samuel, Samuel was the prophet, the prophet was to offer. That was God's ordaining. He set that up. So instead of him obeying God and waiting for Samuel, the prophet, to come and to offer the sacrifice, he offered it himself. He offered it himself. He pushed himself to marriage. He pushed his way through. My biological clock is, is, is ticking. They say I need to be married before I'm 30. This is, that's what happened. You can relate that right here to what Saul did. He was rushing his season instead of just waiting, being patient and waiting on God. So for him, it was a life or death. For him, it was, he considered that a life or death situation. Well, guess what? If God can't keep you, you can't be kept. A life or death situation. Really? You think you're going to die because you're not married right now? It's not a life or death situation. In his mind, he had to do something. In his mind, he had to do something. Listen, women, when you try to... um, rush a man into marrying you you will get the spoils from that you will get the spoils from that you don't ever ever you don't want to rush you don't want to listen you cannot rush that if he is not ready he's not willing he's not whatever the case is You trying to rush it you will reap you will reap what you have sown you will reap exactly what you have sown you cannot rush the time you can't rush it God might be working on him but you cannot rush it because you will reap you will reap what you have sown so for him for Saul, again, it was, he, just, he thought he just had to do something to help move it along. He, had, he even had good intentions. See, he wanted to offer the sacrifice because he wanted to besiege God. He wanted to make sure that God was on his side. He, 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 so he, he needed the favor of the Lord. That's what he was needing the sacrifice for. That's what he was wanting the sacrifice for. So although he had a good intention, Although he had a good intention, we intend to be married. We want to do things God's way. We, we you know, we intend to be married. We're gonna, eat, we're going abstain from sex. We're gonna do, we're gonna do all of that. But we need to, you know, uh, so because, because of that, we need to, we still need to hurry this thing up, though. We need to hurry it up. See, again, there's some things that are going on in you that you haven't allowed God to work out because you're not content you're not content so there's still some things that he needs to work out that he's trying to work out in you and so we have to be sure that we are staying with his time when you fail to wait on God you will embrace your own demise when you fail to wait on God you will embrace your own demise and we see here that he says in his kingdom but now Thy kingdom shall not continue. Talking about soul. he he and God already knew. God, of course, he already knew it was going to happen, and he had some things. He had someone already established, already in place, already waiting. B. Your blessings are delayed or even denied when the consequences, the consequences of being out of season. A, you're out of God's will. B, your blessings are delayed or even denied. Let's look at this in Second, oh, we're already oh, we're in First Samuel. Go to turn to Second Samuel, and let's look at verse eleven. Second Samuel. Let's look at verse. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Second Samuel chapter eleven, and we're going to look. At verse 2 starting with verse 2 and it came to pass to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the way and the woman was very beautiful to look upon and David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers to go and get her. So we know this is a very, a very familiar, a very familiar passage of scripture. And so we see here that David acted out of impulsive desires he saw the woman he didn't waste any time he saw the woman he sent someone he inquired of her and then he sent someone to go and get her acting on your own impulsive desires is a sign of adolescent behavior acting on impulsive desires it is a sign of adolescent behavior and not one of a mature believer see when you act impulsively on your desires, you're not considering the consequences. You're not considering uh, what will happen, you're not considering the consequences or you're downplaying them, you're downplaying them and that is a sign of immaturity. That's a sign of immaturity. That's just like like children, adolescent, adolescent behavior. example, a children, a child, when children are out playing. Outside, whatever impulsive desires they have, that's what they do. If their ball runs, or, or, um, if their ball rolls out into the street, their impulsive desire is to go get my ball. That's my ball. I don't want it to get hit. I don't want it to, you know, and they're thinking about that. I don't want, I don't want my ball to get hit. I don't want nobody to take it. Impulsive desire. But they don't think about it and they don't even considering if I run out in that street, I might get hit. Impulsive, all they're thinking about is what they want. That's all they're thinking about, is what they want. That's what they see. So all of their actions are based on what they want. That is adolescent behavior. When you do things, when your actions are based on what you want, instead of considering the consequences of those choices, instead of considering the consequences, so if I do this, then what will happen? What has God said? What has how he has he instructed me? If I do this without him, what will be the consequence? If I do this outside of what he's established, if I do this outside of his will, what will happen? I'm not considering. I mean, either not considering it, not even thinking about it, or I'm downplaying it. Oh, they say we might. You know, we we'll, we we'll, we might have you know some additional. Uh, problems if our marriage—if we, you know they say that. But you know, we can always get counseling. We can always counseling is always available. Oh, well, you know, and if it don't work out, you know, they say we can't get a divorce, but you know, we can. It, God, God will forgive us. Pre, that's premeditated right there. God will forgive So we we consider all of these things. That's, That's adolescent behavior. That's adolescent behavior. A mature believer, they don't think like that. Not a mature believer. They don't think like that. And again, so this is a part, all of this preparation time, this is a part of preparing you. This is a part of the preparation so that you can, again, have a godly, have a godly marital relationship he's trying to mature you in this time he's trying to develop you in this time so that you won't live adolescently all your life no matter what age you are but you will live a mature christian life you will live a mature believing in faith life we cannot act out of our own impulsive desires so here we see classic example him David acting out of impulsive desires and what it cost him he lost his newborn child because of all because of part of that he lost his newborn child he lost control of his children All of these are consequences number one that he did not ask for that he did not choose he lost his newborn he lost control of his children and eventually he lost the opportunity to build the Lord's temple let's look at first uh, first Chronicle first Chronicle chapter 22 1st Chronicle chapter 22 and we're going to read um starting in verse 5. And David and David said, "Solomon, my son, is young and tender. And the house that is to be built for the Lord must be ex- must must be exceeding magnificent of, t- of of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build an house for the Lord God of Israel. And God said, Listen to this. And God said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind. To build an house unto the name of the Lord, my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build an house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. So he was telling him. So here we see that he had the intention. It was it was it was all it was a part of his plan. He had the thought. It was something that he wanted to do. It was it was a desire of his, and a great desire to build a house for the lord. But we see here that he was not able to do that. And again, God had already seen. God already knew what David would do from the beginning of the earth. But he says, "Solomon, he prepared Solomon beforehand. He prepared his son beforehand because David was not the one to do it. He was not the one to do it. And and yes, he was a man of war. So we know that the king and he went, he led wars and he did that. But but we cannot disclude we cannot exclude the fact that what he did after his uh uh, time with bathsheba after he took bathsheba we cannot deny we cannot uh, uh, forget the peace of him shedding the blood of Uriah not and not with his own hands necessarily but he put him in the path to be killed that's the shedding that's un. that's abundant that's unnecessary unnecessary and so the shedding of the war the shedding of the blood in the war he and so he forfeited he forfeited his right because again when you're doing things for the kingdom of God God graces you he gives you the grace to get it done he may he gives you the wherewithal to get it done when you're doing it in his time and in his but again God had already foreseen God already knew what David what David was going to do he already knew he was going to be a man of war and that's why he brought someone else up God raised someone else God God created someone else yes he was tied to david but it wasn't david himself so we need to be sure we we don't we don't ever want our what our desires and our our, um our path to be Turn to be uh, to be off kilter to, to go a different way because because we are not thought we're not doing what God has intended what God wants us to do that we're not out of the, His will out being out of the will of God it was out of the will of God for Him to take Bathsheba it was out of the will of God for Him to have Uriah killed that was out of God's will it was out of His out of God's will so he reaped the consequences of his actions we see that he reaped the consequences of his actions and c you bring pain and suffering upon yourself and others the consequences the consequences of being out of season a you're out of god's will B, your blessings are delayed or even denied, and C, you bring pain and suffering upon yourself and others. So Abraham, let's, let's, let's look at, at Genesis chapter 15. Let's start with Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis 15, let's read uh, verse 2. Four. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but that, but that shall come forth out of thy own bowels, and uh, uh, out of their own bowels shall be thine heir. So we know and we see here that Abram and Sarah were promised a son. He was promised a son, but yet they took it in their own hands again beginning the season, concentrating on the season that they were in, thinking about the fact that they were getting older, and they took matters into their own hands. Look at Genesis chapter 16, turn over to 16, reading verses 1 and 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaiden, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by, it may be, she said, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai his wife. So she, in her mind she had reckoned she had records, she said, he says, he said, it may be that I may. So she was thinking, she was having her own thoughts. Having her own thoughts, and we're we out of time. So we need to be sure, again, uh, we're going to pick up right from here next week. We're going to pick up from here. Uh, remember that we have a 10 o'clock service. Um, and stay tuned for that, and be blessed.